Hey guys, before we get started, this episode of Beer and Other Shit, the podcast is brought to you by High Season Co., a social media agency with over a decade of marketing experience who are crafting the way brands are perceived online. These guys aren't just marketers, they're liquid enthusiasts, craft beer nerds, hip-hop heads, and Gary Vee disciples. So is your social media looking tired? Are you having trouble getting to your customers? High Season can make it happen. Check them out, highseasonco.com. That's highseasonco.com. Now let's drink some beers. Are you a brewhead? I'm a brewhead. Are you a brewhead? I'm a brewhead. Y'all a brewheads? Yeah, we brewheads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead. Welcome to episode 147 of Beer Another Street Podcast. This afternoon, we're in glorious Sterling, Virginia, at Crooked Run Brewery with co founders and co owners Lee and Jake Fells. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming, Greg. Appreciate it. Um, first time in Virginia. Uh, thank you very much. It's been uh, wonderful so far. We've only been in Alexandria, which is this is about 45 minutes, 40 minutes from there. Nice. Depends um, on traffic. Depends on traffic. And I, I want like the whole toll road situation. I just don't understand it. It was the same price to get from there to here than it was to get from Montreal to like Philly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's expensive. <laughs> we'll get into that later. Beer's more important. I was just so confused by it. I'm um, super happy to be here. Um, so we... Right now, we're sitting in the new restaurant section just adjacent to the brewery. Is that accurate? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, we have a, um, a breakfast, biscuit and gravy type of spot and a uh, cocktail bar, essentially, right here next to the brewery, which also has a, a taco spot in there. It's pretty dope. Never, Thanks. Never, ever leave, need to leave, really. Yeah. That was the plan. <laughs> Keep you here. Um, what am I drinking right now? This is actually something that comes out this Friday. Uh, Saturday, it's our six-year anniversary. Okay. Um, so this is one of five beer releases we're doing. Uh, it's called Ambrosia. So it's uh, fruit salad-inspired uh, Berliner with um, oh, cherries, oranges, pineapple, coconut, pecans, marshmallows, and milk sugar. Yes. And it's probably the most adjunct-laden beer that we've done. But try to keep it <laughs> subtle so that nothing really overwhelms anything else in it and you get that kind of whole range of flavors in it. For sure. Super balanced. Really cool. Awesome. I haven't had an Ambrosia salad before is it just like chopped fruit all kind of like it's it's a weird like american white person potluck <laughs> dish and it's really good it's so it's, it's all those fruits and and pecans and, and flake coconut and marshmallow with like cool whip and a little bit of sour cream and it sounds weird but it's right. really tasty damn i don't know if i see that at a restaurant do they have it at restaurants or is no. like a no it's like <laughs> they don't i mean you might see like a shoney's buffet but that's yeah. probably it. <laughs> so. so i have to make it at home yeah okay good to know um, so just before we go any further, let's go into your individual beer stories before we get into how the brewery came about. So whoever wants to start, like, how did you get into beer? Like, how did it find its way into your life? Well, Jake started this, so. Yeah, sure. Um, I, uh, I got a homebrew kit when I turned 21 and I really like to cook and I heard people made their, their own, uh, beer and thought I'd give it a whirl and my first beer turned out all right. Um, and I just kind of kept going from there and got more and more into it over the years. And I never really thought I would, you know, do it professionally. But um, when I graduated college, uh, job market was still terrible. And I just started looking into, you know, what it would take to open a brewery. And there was something called the, the Pint Law, which was a uh, Senate Bill 604 in the state legislature at the time that would allow for all on-premise pints to be sold at breweries. And I talked to uh, Jonathan Wright, uh, the owner of Red Beard, which is brewed down in Stanton. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, they were in the process of opening, and he, I said, do you think the bill's going to pass? And he said, yes. 
And I thought, okay, I think this could work. So we opened up this little tiny crooked run in 600 square feet back in 2013. 600 square feet. Yes. Jesus. Yeah, apartment's bigger than that. Okay. I know. <laughs> that was brewing area, bathrooms, tap room, t- tap room <laughs> fermentation, cold room. That was everything. How did that even work, I guess? <laughs> it, was, it was really hard. Tetris. Um, yeah, uh, absolutely. And um, we made it work, and then uh, after two years, we opened up Crooked Run Sterling, which is a 10-barrel brew house in uh, 7,000 square feet. Nice. And that was a big step up. Uh, that's allowed us to do what we really want to do. And uh, we still have our Leesburg location, which is a really, really nice, cozy place to hang out at. Um, right in downtown Leesburg, but this location is in flex warehouse space, so it's right. a lot different. Right. And that was, what was the time difference between the original opening and this place? Uh, about three years. Okay. And then two years to open up this new restaurant that we're in right now. Right. Okay. So it's kind of been like a nice little steps. Right. Building mm-hmm. it up. It's not like rushed or anything like that. Sick. How was that? How'd you get into Uh So I was in uh, construction management before I quit that to come over and work with Crooked Run. Um, and I had the weekends off, but my wife works on uh, the weekends. She's a horse trainer. Right. Uh, so I kept bugging her, when are you coming home? You know, let's go out. She's like, you need a hobby. <laughs> so she also bought me a homebrew kit, right. and I was brewing on Saturday, Sunday on the weekends. And the first batch of beer I made was really good. Started entering into homebrew competitions, joining homebrew clubs and just trying to learn as much as I possibly could and uh, finally met um, met Jake through a article that was uh, published that he was opening up Crooked Run right. and so I reached out to him, asked him if he needed any help opening up the spot and it was right down the street from my house so uh, started working there on the weekends uh, anytime during the weekday to help him get through it and it was a lot of work, and then very quickly Jake offered me to uh, business partner opportunity, and nice. kind of took off from there. Nice, that's great. So uh, I guess you so said you've both been running it full time for the last, I guess, six years as of this weekend. Oh, it's been full time okay. uh, for me. Uh, Lee came on full time about two, two and a half years ago. Okay, so it was something you guys did sort of whilst, like, you were building it up while yeah. you were uh, in another position. Yeah. It's even cooler to make that work because that means you really like we're going and doing a nine-to-five, and then doing five to probably midnight here. Well, it was almost full-time for me, and I know, like, like there's breweries, really, you know, like, uh, Three Chiefs, the, those guys all have full-time jobs. There's, there's really wildly popular and successful breweries that have operators that still have nine-to-fives, but I don't see how, I, I couldn't do that. No. There's so much that goes into it. Yeah, um, I bet. Way more than I initially thought, especially as the business has grown. Right. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. It's uh, it always seems interesting to me when people do choose to do it that way. Like you already, so you were full time from the start, yeah. right? Okay, but still, that it took a little while for for it to sort of, I guess, generate enough revenue and to be consistent, right? Because of the, the yeah, the original location was so small. Um, so we were only making the one and a half barrel system, and then we got a three barrel system eventually. But we couldn't brew that often because we just didn't have many tanks. We didn't have the right. space. If we were in that tasting room right now, there would be a fermenter sitting like right there. <laughs> Just because there was no place it's to crazy. ferment all in than in the tasting room. So right. it, was, it, it limited us to how much we could make. And then obviously that caps you at how much money you make. Did you guys ever contract brew or consider contracting? We I did, mean, yes. Yeah. Um, there's actually a contract brewery uh, 
right over there um, called okay. Beltway. And uh, we've done a core IPA heart and soul there. Uh, we did that for, for about uh, a little over six months. And um, it helped us get the beer out to more locations, which was really helpful. Um, distribution, when you're a small brewery like us, is really more advertising. It's not your main source of revenue. Of course. Um, and to this day, whenever I do uh, tastings, I'll usually have some pretty cool cans, but a lot of times I'll have our, our IPA heart and soul. People say, give me heart and soul. Right. Because that's what they know, that's what they like. Um, so lasting effectiveness. Right, and that was worth it for you guys then to mm-hmm. keep that going. And did that move? Because I've, I've heard people, I've heard mixed opinions about contracting uh, a core brand out from a, a brewery that does have a bricks and mortar facility. Some people are just like, no, no, I'd never do that. There's no control over that. There's, I don't know, contract brewing is very touchy up north. Is it a touchy subject here or it's pretty like whatever? No, no nobody's really going to, I've never had somebody like who tried heart and soul when it was contract brewed, like call us out on it. Um, it says it on the can where it's brewed. Um, but the thing with contract brewing is if you're not around to monitor it, um, it's not going to go well. I mean, we're right down the street from those guys and we know them all really well and like, that's why it worked well. But there's people who contract through that basically just said and forget it. And like, I'll give you an example, right? Like we were going to can heart and soul one day and I came in to try the beer on canning day and it was pouring literally green. Like that's how like not conditioned it was. Right. And they just, they do what you tell them to do. Mm. So they were going to go ahead and can it because that was the, the day that we had a mobile canner scheduled and I tried and I said guys we, we can't can this gotta wait a couple more days so we did that but had I just gone with that that would have been 90 barrels of beer pretty much ruined Jeez. Um, and so yeah I mean you just gotta treat it right and realize that it's not just you know a, a just phone it in type deal mm. um, I mean that's brewing in general you can't true. just set it and forget it yeah. right very true I guess there's like in Canada there's um, rules about if you're contracting, you can't touch their equipment. Right. Is that the same thing here? Like only the employees of that brewery can? No, I mean they, they don't like they try to avoid doing that. But there's been cases where I have um, just okay. because I was doing something they had never done. Um, we we have some like small piece of equipment that are a little bit unique to our brewery um, that we've we've used over there. Right. Um, We've done some sour stuff over there too that, that like we brought some of our own tanks over there and stuff. So like, there's no law against it, but okay. like from a liability standpoint, like and plus like ultimately you're Branding, paying someone right? else to do something, like yeah, yeah. you shouldn't be there doing it like all the time, but if it has to happen, it's fine. Right. Okay, it's good to know. Because I guess everywhere must have separate sort of rules or laws surrounding what you can and can't do. Um, so as of now everything is brewed back there. Mm-hmm. Nice. And that has been how long since it's been exclusively in-house? Remember? Um, I guess it was this year, right? Yeah, it was, I want to say it was, it was last January. January, yeah. Oh, yeah so January. like a year and a half. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay, that's good. How, how do you guys feel? It's a bit more of a relief knowing that there's full control. It's all in one place. Yeah, but we, uh, we like lost all our permanent lines that year. We knew that was going to happen. We just right. don't have a supply anymore. Oh, because you just can't keep up with that volume because you've right. got so many other brands now? Okay. Yeah, so what happens when we were obviously making 90 barrels at uh, the other brewery, yeah. um, that allowed us to use our existing tanks to make other beers. 
and those also became very popular. So yeah. we are in the process of adding another 40 barrel tank, and uh, so that will help grow things forward. But we've always had the, the business approach of satisfying the taste room first. Right, and that's demand variety, and you can't be making 90 barrels of one beer. We're a 10 barrel brewery, we're not you know, a production brewery, we're just not set up right. to be that way. Would you go back to contracting just the one core brand out, or it's we've, of, we've thought about it. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I'm not opposed to it. it it's just um, we got. It, it's it takes a lot of time and energy, um, and we're, we're in the you know peak of summer right now with our new restaurant that opened, and it's probably not something we're going to get into right now. But it's definitely possible. Sure. Yeah, it's probably a little bit of a hectic time. Um, so most of your, I guess, like you said, the driving is coming from all the. the the revenue is coming through the the tasting room and stuff. Mm-hmm. Both of the tasting rooms. Yeah. Yep. The old one. Have you kept the system there to make maybe like you know, pilot or small batch stuff, like really small batch stuff? Or? Yeah. So uh, when we opened up this location here, we were in the process of turning over the Leesburg, the original location, into a sour facility. Oh, nice. That's um, a good idea. And so again, it's it's still pretty small. Uh, so we were only able to fit. Think maybe two, four, maybe eight barrels of okay. fermenting sour beer, and you know that takes eight eight wine, wine barrels, six to eight wine barrels. Yeah, oh, that's not much at all. No, no, it takes like six months. To oh, like actual eight. barrels. Okay, yeah, as yeah. opposed to the kettles. Yeah, we, yeah, we switched the barrel fermenting all our beers there, but yeah, like we couldn't get that much. And there's weight limits on the floor because it's an old uh, lumber mill, right? That the the brewery's in, so like. Yeah, we could. You it wasn't couldn't really even like, stack them, the, nothing like that, eh? Like, no, we could. Because we could stack them, yeah. All right. Jeez. Uh, but there was a new law that passed that you have to uh, manufacture a certain number of like, a quantity of beer that you sell at that location because we would be transferring beer from here to there and selling it. Uh, and that law came out this year, so we're switching back over because, again, sour beer takes so long to make. Yeah. We need something faster. Yeah, we yeah. need something faster, so we're going to start making clean beer back over there, and just okay. um, and beers specifically just to Leesburg as well. That's cool. So yeah. it keeps people having to visit both, right. or like an incentive to go to right. both. Okay, that's cool. That's smart. I mean, it's kind of tough with that law coming in. I've heard of that same concept in, in different places as well. It seems kind of uh, for, for people like you guys who do have two locations that you got the space here. So just, oh, let's take a truck of kegs over, and right. now you. Can only do that so often. Is how does that how does that law work? Is it like a monthly thing or a weekly or is that like they don't even know, man? Like we talked to to our alcohol control board and they're just like, yeah, we're not really sure how we're going to enforce this. But we are very much like play by the rules type people, and and so we immediately were like, how are we going to comply with this? Uh, We end up taking we end up putting a a new tank in a new concrete pad, and then um, we're still. We have a three-barrel cool ship that we do our spontaneous nice. beers uh, in Leesburg. We've gotten really good results. Um, for about three years, we uh, we took um, extra yeast um, bacteria from other sours we brewed, and we have a, a garden that kind of surrounds the outdoor sea and cherry trees, and we just threw it out there. Perfect, and yeah. then we have a bakery next to us, and the cool ship beers we've done there have turned out really well, and I'm, we're all really proud of them. We think it's some of the best stuff that we've done. Um, so we don't want to stop doing that because mm-hmm. like we don't really know what we get here. Like it could be good, but, um, some of our neighbors that have tried doing spontaneous stuff in the area have not gotten great results. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's so, kind of industrial. There's like power and stuff around. It's probably not the I same. Candiana is an industrial area. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So that so doesn't it's, impact it. It's, it's just, you never know. Um, mm, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what, what we've done is we brew our cool ship beers in Leesburg. We immediately pump them from the cool ship in barrels in our van, and then we just bring them over here. Right. So we've got about 50 barrels of spontaneous stuff on our sour side here. Um, and it makes much more sense to, to do that rather than trying to store it in this little tiny space. Yeah. Um, Break the flow. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's my, okay, interesting. I never considered that I guess it's not the environment, but like, it, so not, not the, the structures around, it's just more like what that, what yeast is flowing in the area right. of that specific region. If you got like cherry trees and stuff, I mean, that sounds kind of perfect. Plus the, the bakeries, that's sick. That's pretty unique. Yeah, having both of those things right next to each other. Um, so as far as the type of stuff, and we touched on it a bit, so when you opened, what kind of beers did you open with, and, and perhaps what was the intention of the brewery? Like, what were you trying to do? It's a good question. Yeah. See that? Like, us, like many other people, we, we had very different ideas when we first opened, and I think you'll hear that from, I don't know, most people. half people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we, we started... I. We opened with uh, a Belgian single and uh, English pale ale on top. Wow. Um, and then we did a lot of English and Belgian styles. Um, we did a lot of West Coast IPA. We did a lot of adjunct beers, chili peppers and fruit. Um, but I think some of the foundation for what we were going to do was there. Like we do a sour IPA with raspberries um, and we've been making that since 2015 and it was funny because, like, I used to do our sales, and I used to try to sell that beer, and people would be like, I mean, I really like it, but I just, I'm not sure where the customers will. Right. Because we're early in the market with it, now we can't make enough of that beer. Mm. And, like, just it's just amazing. Um, so the market has definitely shifted, and I think we were, like, we were doing sour and bread beers back when people, like, had no idea what they were, and just, at least around here. Right. Um, as a market in Virginia, took a little bit, it's a little bit behind, maybe you know some hot spots in the U.S., um, but uh, yeah, like our beer is definitely evolved and will continue to evolve. Um, everybody here knows that we'll make certain styles to keep the lights on, and then other things are more passion projects. Mm-hmm. But uh, fortunately, we have a pretty busy tap room, and we're free to to you know do what we want. So all we got to do is like just make sure we're making what's popular, and then that frees us up to do you know cool ship stuff. Loggers, uh, barrel aged stuff, all that good, good stuff. Right. Is uh, from what I could tell, from what I've seen. I mean, you guys do a lot of when you say the popular stuff. You're talking about like haze and yeah. New England and stuff, and and kettle stars. And like kettle, stars and kettle stars. Stuff. How do you guys feel about those styles personally? It's good. You into them? Yeah. I I like all of your styles if they're well executed. Cool. So I uh, I just I'm maybe a little bit a little bit burned out on them sometimes, but. Um, I think okay. everybody might be a little bit at this point. <laughs> um, so, yeah, especially, uh, I, I will say this, when it's hot, mm-hmm. I pretty much switch to just Pilsner. Yeah. Um, and there's one reason for that is like, like this beer, like you have that in the sun, it's opaque and it just gets warm in two seconds. Right. At least the Pilsner will stay cool a little bit longer. Does that influence uh, cooling and what, like the, the, the opacity of the beer? It's huge. You I mean, hazy IPA will get warm in, in about five minutes in the sun. Wow. Um, so it's, there, it's, I prefer to drink metal can in the summertime, but, wow. um, 
But can here you, we you know, serve stuff in glasses. Of course, yeah. Can you briefly, without getting too nerdy into it, like touch on why that happens? Like what what causes why the lack of opacity? Hang on, is that right? Yeah. No. Why the opacity causes? It's just it's just like a win, window pane versus like a black wall. Right. Um, there's nothing really to it. Some people think that the beer gets skunked really fast in the light too. I don't probably don't have enough of a discerning palate to to taste that, but I I think there's um, scientific reasoning for why it does. Right. Um, Interesting. That's fascinating. Um, so then, in in without knowing a lot about sort of what's going on in Virginia as a region, um, what sort of what are kids drinking these days out here? Is it sort of the same as everywhere else? Like, is it the hate? Like the stuff that you're making? Does that indicate? Statewide popularity with days and kettle sours and stuff. Uh, yeah, I think so. It's just like we got some heavy hitters in the state that produce a, a lot of those beers. Um, but I will say this: uh, our Leesburg location, um, our clientele there is almost all under thirty. Okay. Um, basically, this little town Leesburg has a lot of restaurants, which have some good paying jobs. So we have like a lot of, a lot of, of waiters, bartenders, and stuff that come into our place. That are younger and just drink the pilsner, like oh. universally. Um, right. And yeah, I think we, it's our top selling beer. We've seen a, a big shift, so it's already right. happening. Right. Um, that doesn't mean that like like haze can and, and uh, fruited sour can sales aren't going to continue because they do really well that way. But people are actually like out at a place. Like lager is definitely getting a lot more popular. Interesting. I mean, it's you, you ch- kind of think about. Um, What's in your What's in your fridge right now? Everything. Right? Yeah. Everything. So but you. We. I don't know if we're. If we're. have fair sample size. You'll have light beer yeah. all the way up to the big stouts and everything in between, mm-hmm. and it all depends on your mood and like what are you yeah. in the mood for? You, you, you talked about um, it being hot out. I mean, you're going to want to drink an 18 percent stout when it's hot out. No, but really? if you're celebrating and you got friends over and you had a nice long day, you're by the fire, crack it open. So. Yes. All the beer depends on, uh, I think it fits more of the, the time of when you're actually drinking it in the right. environment that, that, that you're in. But as far as the styles that are drank, I think, again, because of everything that is available, um, all the way from Pilsner and Hefeweizens, which that's usually what I drink when I'm here, because when I'm here, the environment that I'm in, seeing people going to be a long day standing around drinking low ABV, low ABV something easy to drink I want to get some food later so I'm not going to fill up on, on anything too crazy mm-hmm. and then I'll, I'll grab some cans and go home and, and drink those and watch TV you know right. drink some hazy stuff gotcha. at home um, so yeah I think it, it it all depends on what you're in the mood for right. okay so I mean you guys therefore then do a bit of everything yeah which is pretty cool yeah, I think we've we've always kind of done that um, yeah. because of having the smaller system in Leesburg. Half the menu we had five beers on tap for back then, yeah. back then and half the beers would rotate every week. Right. Um, we got a lot of chances to try different stuff in that environment, and we used to, like I said, we used to do a lot more, a lot more Belgian stuff, mm-hmm. um, and we haven't done that in a while. Like we were doing this this uh, series of saisons, like clean saisons. With the Dupont strain, they were awesome, um, but they just they weren't popular. Um, now, the good news is, what is popular is mi- mixed rum sours. The last one we released sold out in two seconds, right. and I was stunned because, like, usually they tend to sit around here for a while. Um, 
but it wasn't too acidic and it, it had tons of bread flavor, but it was like all jammy bread, like no funk. So it was like a super accessible mix from beer. Um, no acetic, low acidity, and lots of fruit. So right. uh, we're going to keep on, you know, in that vein and keep doing, doing those beers. But it's really nice. cool. Because, you know, people have been saying, like, mixed room sour is going to take off for years. And it never has. Um, but I think I think that the two trends right now are you're seeing definitely more people going for lagers. And then kettle sours, man. I mean, yeah. they, just, they, there seems to be, like, no limit with what we can do with those. Um, IPAs still always do really well, but if you look at what's what's the beer style that like is the most accessible to somebody that doesn't, I mean that doesn't taste like beer at all. No, it's like alka pop. You know? Yeah, and so, it's glorious. Yeah, I love it. The purists don't like it so much with the lactose and everything, but right, right. Not but bad. oh, here's the other thing: like we've always tried to do, like we have a really straight two style um, pilsner, uh, have bison and milk stout on tap like all the time. Okay, and so. Anybody that's like, you know, if somebody's critical of people doing gimmicky stuff or whatever, like we still have a lot of like two style stuff. Right. But I think it's, it's really good. But um, we just try to have something for everybody. Strike a balance. Yeah. yeah. No, that's good because a lot of the times that, because like looking at, say, people look at your Instagram, say, for example, to get an idea of what you're doing. Like when I was sort of checking it out, I was like, I, my assumption based on the, attractive can art and the way that it's positioned the nice really nice photos what it was essentially most of the stuff you're doing is just like you know haze or whatever right mm-hmm. but so it's cool to know that you guys are doing a variety of stuff that just happens to be really attractively packaged and presented but also you know you can the haze boys can bring their maybe more of a chill palette friends in there and they got something for everyone which doesn't always happen Right. right. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, we've canned Schwartz beer. We've canned Saison, uh, like dry hop Saison. Um, porter. Yeah, Baltic nice. Porter. Uh, we, Irish dry stout. Yeah, dry Yeah, St. Patty's Day. We did, we, did, we did a stout with marshmallows, which is you yeah. know, definitely the beer of the moment for last St. Patty's Day. And then we did a dry stout. And we just have the freedom to, to do stuff like that here. We're not, like, super dependent on can sales. It's mostly taproom sales. That's really where it is. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I would have thought. So, I mean, do you guys do like uh, when you do the can releases that you have this Saturday or Friday? Oh, th- th- this Saturday for the anniversary, but usually, but usually it's Friday. Um, is it like line out the door type situation? We get a line so, every once in a while if it's something that's that's got some hype. But we we're six years old, so that's pretty old for like kind of new like school breweries. breweries yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we like we didn't necessarily catch much of that I think yeah. we have a good reputation for doing solid beer mm-hmm. um, but uh, we don't necessarily sell out everything okay uh, like the day it's released I think that's a good thing though it's kind of annoying like if people see like the post like hey this that they were dropping this this like, yeah sick you come down like oh you don't have any of this like you have one left like right so, and I, it took me a little while to figure this out because it seemed counterintuitive as like somebody that likes to drink beer but people want stuff to sell out and they want um they want high trade value. So, oh, like that. Okay. And, yeah, and they yeah, want yeah. there to be lines. Certain people. Other people don't give a shit. But a lot of people want that yeah. because it increases their trade value. And I get that, and there's nothing wrong with it. Um, yeah. But I, we've always been very taproom focused, and we want to have a beer available for people to drink. Um, and also, you know, we have like a choir IPA in cans all the time, uh, mostly all the time. So, right. People kind of know they can come in and reliably get some beer. Like something like that. And yeah, then, cool. I mean, 
most people coming here don't follow us on Instagram. Hmm. Um, they have no idea what's going on with that stuff. How do they? Uh, how do they hear about you? Just what amount? We, we got like a million different uh, offices around here, and we got a taqueria and a restaurant and everything. And again, like I think a lot of people lose sight. This the whole Instagram like you know beer trading culture is such a small subset. It is. Yeah. I mean, so for example, in Virginia, ninety five percent of beer is sold in grocery stores. 95%. Grocery store there. Right. Jeez. So we are so insignificant in the grand scheme of things. Oh, and yeah. like, the other thing that you're seeing too is like, you're seeing like breweries that really were can focused distributing them. Okay. And I think it's good because like, I think there should be as much good beer as easily accessible as possible out there. I'm with you on that. But I think that like, everybody kind of lost sight of like five years ago, the goal was to sell beer. And then it turned into like this, like, well, we don't want to sell beer. We only want to sell a little bit of it to like the right people. Mm. And then I think now everybody's kind of getting out. It's like, hey, like people want our beer, let's sell it. Right. Um, and it's just kind of a, a strange time in beer right now. For better or brewery's a business. Yeah. Yeah. And so we took the approach of, all right, well, we can make five times as much money per ounce. Let's have a brewery focused uh, a tasting room focused brewery hmm. um, and then we still again we don't want to leave anything out because we try to strike a balance between everything so we have bottles cans uh, we have a wide range of different beers available so I, I think it's just more of a try to expand your net as wide as possible to capture as many different beer drinkers that you can possibly get to to make more money Right. So that's a really good point he was making. Um, so uh, one of my colleagues, um, he put it best. He said, beer is a hobby for a lot of people. Like, how many hobbies have you had in your life? Yeah. Like, they come and go. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and right now, you know, economy's doing well and everything. But, like, what happens when, when people get married, they have kids or whatever? Or, or so, something, something in their life, maybe themselves or significant other says, like, hey, stop spending $1,000 on beer every month. <laughs> like, this era of, like, people walking out with cases of $20 four-packs may not last. Mm. But the main thing is, like, every brewery should be focused on generating new customers, which is kind of what Lee's talking about is, like, having this multifaceted approach. How can we get people the next customer? Um, because, you know, you run a tap room every, every week – People stop coming in for whatever reason. Right. So you need to replace those people, um, and then that you know that's not just just me kind of uh, waxing poetic. There's a lot of data that shows that wine and spirits is up and beer continues to go down. Mm. Um, so it's it's definitely worth investing time to find those new customers. Right. And again, like I said, I mean, like you know, Instagram and 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 digital media is great and everything, but like it's a small subset of the population and there's, you know, there's breweries that do a lot more distribution than us and it helps them. It drives people in their tap room. Yeah. Um, I, I wish we could have had a better, bigger system, but when we opened up, we just had a limited budget. So we went with a 10 barrel system, which has been good for tap room turnover, but bad for distro. Right. Are you looking to do something to, 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 open you back up to the distro again? Like, uh, you, like expand that, uh, the system or anything? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, it's one, one more tank, and then our, <clears throat> our, assist, our uh, glycol system's maxed out. But, gotcha. I mean, we don't want to build another brewery. We thought about it briefly, but, it, like, it was pretty tough building this, and I just don't really want to do it again. Yeah, so. seems like a lot of work. Uh, and we are, as again, as, as business owners, we're diversifying our revenue stream, so that's why we built this place. The, right. The, the, the kitchen and, and bar. Okay, so if wine and spirits are up, how do we get a part of that? Hmm. Now we sell. sell now we sell wine, cocktails, other people's beer, cider, you name it. So you can literally come here. Anyone could come here and want a drink. We got it. Right? Can you take? Which is so very very smart. I didn't even think about it from a diversifying perspective. That's really cool. Can people bring? Oh yeah, absolutely. Back and forth. Yep. So it's like if they got mates who just don't drink beer at all. They're like, cool, I'm just going to go grab a pint and I'll be in a sec right. and vice versa. Right. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's so great. we expanded, we essentially doubled the size or more than doubled the size of our tasting room with the number of seating that we have here mm-hmm. and gave people two more options for, well, another option for food and another option for drink. It's great. It's really smart. I was about to ask before you mentioned that, so this is, that's even smarter because you don't have to make it, but I've noticed that a bunch of breweries are maybe getting into like the there's like some sort of loophole that you can do. It's like, you know, the hard seltzer is becoming a thing. But one of my friends had worked for a brewery in Detroit and he was telling me that there's this, they call them like malt tails or something. There's like some sort of thing where you can make a malt-based beverage and then you can make like sort of cocktails from that and it fits in that hard yeah. seltzer category. Do you know what I'm talking about? So like in Virginia, you can't do canned pre-mixed cocktails. Okay. Uh, but you can do something like that. It's something that we looked into. We actually have our, our first hard seltzer coming out. Um, next week, but you see hard seltzer for a lot of like breweries that have extra tank space. We just want to do it to have something on premise because it's really popular. Right. Um, but it's not something we're really looking at investing into like really, really hard. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, what you could just do is you could make a, a hard seltzer that's a little bit higher ABV mm-hmm. and then you just have to make it shelf stable, which is kind of hard. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that that's probably a direction you're going to see that going um, because it's way, way, way cheaper than if you were to actually make a cocktail using like vodka or whatever. Right, because you probably even, I wonder if you even have to make the, the distillable liquor yourself too. No, nope. you, know? you don't have to you do anything. You buy that and just chuck it in. And you're basically making what's called a wash and distilling, which is what's, what you, yeah. disti- you actually run through your still. Right. Which, you know, in, you know, distills it, increases the ABV, but you're just, you're making, you know, a 10, 10, 10% be, malt beverage. It's ironic because uh, FDA considers it to be a malt beverage, even though it's made from sugar. Hmm. There's no malt. Right. I don't, I don't know why they do that, but that's, that's Laws, what it eh? is. Bureaucracy. Yeah. It's kind of ridiculous. No, it's really smart. So you really turn this into a full proper destination type of situation in order to diversify that mm-hmm. the revenue, which is sick. I love that. More and more breweries are popping up. A lot of competition in this area, this region? Our tasting room does um, very, very well. Um, and just, again, if if you're getting into the distribution game, if we had a larger brewery and we were relying more on distribution, then we'd be fighting more with a lot of the other breweries, like you're saying. Most yeah. of it's sold in grocery stores and things like that. Um, they just... There's so much, there is a limited amount of shelf space. There's a limited amount of uh, taps, limited number of people that you can sell it to, and they're going to have to pick and choose who they want to have. 
Yeah. Um, and there, there's just a lot of different, different um, things that can impact how you're getting your money. Again, a fifth of the money that you make compared to selling the beer here. Yeah. So, so like you said, it's like brand awareness essentially. It's like a marketing expense. Yeah. Really, like any sort of distro. Uh, well, and it, you, you definitely, you can make money off of it, but it's economy of scale. Um, gotcha. Yeah, if you're just doing like a few cases, it's whatever. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's an interesting uh, dilemma the brewers are sort of faced with. So, like, do you try and like ramp up the, the, the package goods? Like, I guess that probably counts for cakes too, right? Is that still mm-hmm. like, even if you go to a beer bar? We, we have two, two local breweries, Salas and, and now Asm, that have uh, scaled up. Or Salas has always been uh, bigger, but okay. they—they've they, uh, done really well. Um, I don't think it's very competitive locally, and with kind of higher priced, higher quality beer, um, seems to be you know chipping away market share from large, uh, larger craft breweries. Okay. Uh, you know, all the West Coast breweries. Uh, I've seen their sales go flat, hmm. um, and that's just kind of a natural course, um, but. For new breweries, new local breweries, I I wouldn't call it competitive. It's just like it's you got to come out of the gate really strong because you're you have a lot of consumer spending habits kind of set. Like people have mm-hmm. their their breweries they like to go to, and and they kind of you know have had years to to you know become set in their ways. So if you like, remember Google Plus? Yeah, I yeah. sure do. <laughs> Google Plus wasn't going to take users away from Facebook unless it was like head and shoulders a better experience, you know, and it wasn't. So that was it. So like you can come out with beer that's like as good, but like how's your tapping experience? How's your marketing? Do you have a restaurant? Do you have all these things? And there are a lot of barriers to entry that I think a lot of people don't really think about. Mm -hmm. Um, And they really should. Um, You should be thinking like, why are people going to come to my place over somebody else? And there's... You see, like, in more mature beer markets, you see that diversification where, like, you go to Denver and there's, like, uh, there's, like, Prost and Hogshead that do, like, specific, are known for specific styles. Um, and people go there for those things. We don't really have that going on here. It, there, sorry. There's one brewery that opened up to those German styles that's become pretty popular. Uh, but they have, they're one of the newer breweries in the area. Um, and it took a while, I think, for the market to be ready for something like that. Um, but like, I was I was talking to somebody that wanted to, to start a brewery, and he he was asking some questions, and and I, I said, you know, just be careful because like you have to give people a compelling reason to come come to your place. It's got to be. Um, I mean, like, if I were if I were giving somebody frank advice now, I was like, you better pull a brewer that has like a pretty ridiculous resume that'll generate some hype just from people hearing about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you should have a restaurant, some type of food option, um, nicely decorated tap room, um, experienced general manager. And I, some, somebody at the brewery has to have some experience. Like what was either a brewer working distribution, something. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, starting, starting a place with just it being your, your dream gig. That is not anymore. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it seems to be pretty dead, and I feel like it's, yeah, a lot of, like, we were sort of touching on it earlier, a lot of brewers that would do that, like, the dream ones that come in, like, they, they really lean on that, uh, if you brew it, they'll come. 
type of thing. No, which is not true. so no. not true anymore. Not, yeah, definitely not anymore. And that's what we were talking earlier about marketing, and it's something that you guys are doing very well. Um, even with like, Instagram taking it seriously, I was saying in our experience, a lot of breweries don't seem to take that side, like it's say at least social media, uh, as an avenue to, to bring in new customers and new interest. Seriously, but you guys do some really interesting, fun stuff, which may, even though I'd already heard from multiple people, I was like, all right, what, I spoke to a few folks in, uh, who are either from here or know what's up here beforehand. I was like, all right, when we were talking to the tourism office, like they can let us reach out. Sometimes the tourism board does it and they don't hook me up at the right places. So I was like, please, can we do it? And what, who I need to talk to? And you guys came up in every list. So I was like, all right, beautiful. And when I checked out your Instagram, I was like, perfect. Um, some of you guys are investing clearly in high quality imagery uh, on top of, of course, your can designs, which are already like consistent and attractive. But you know, you're doing these funny, ridiculous videos as well for like the releases, which is just over and above, really. But cool, like that's just a dope thing. And like, I saw the photos where you had like, like that were in a um, like a studio kind of setup, and they had like the the title of it underlined and everything, and that was consistent. So Clearly, you guys came into this, not those type of individuals, that it's a dream. I mean, yes, it's a dream, but it's also like a business, not just this, you know, fanciful art thing. Me and him don't have, you know, retirement money from some type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> this, it's, yeah, it's a you business. You make this work or uh, it's a problem. Yeah. Uh, I mean, from the get-go, Jake has um, sacrificed a lot, um, not eating and living the most healthy life because it wasn't, you know, making buku bucks off of the 600 square foot brewery, you right. know, and so it's a, it's a lot of struggle and it, it makes you reflect and focus the business solely on how do we move things forward? How does this, how is this business going to be sustainable? Right. And, um, last year we came up with a brand refresh after that was for our five year anniversary, came yes. up with a whole brand new bright looking logo um, and really started pushing a lot more attitude. Previously it was more of like you know the the 2013 2014 oh there's wood in the tasting room and it's more natural and yeah it's evolved a lot past that. People people expect more out of it and having the uh, again the reflection and the, the focus on trying to figure out how to get more customers to notice you we found this whole brand refresh with, with colors and logos and consistent marketing has helped a lot because people they start to notice more consistent things every monday we post a, the similar format style every right. wednesday we have a video every friday there's a be released so and then you fill in the content from there so people start to know Hey, it's Friday. Let's go get some tacos, pick up some new Crooked Run release. Good start yeah. to the weekend. Right. And so you now become part of people's lives that they they don't have to you don't have to be scrolling through your Instagram or Facebook and have a sponsored ad pop up targeted at that person. They already know. And then when they know and they're at work, they're gonna say, Hey, let's go get some tacos. Oh, he's never been there. Oh, let's go try it. You gotta check it out, it's great. Right. Boom. And that, how much, like, how helpful has that sort of tactic been for you guys, do you think? I know it's sort of the tough thing about social is the gray, we call it like the gray area, 
because there's no direct correlation all the time except for qualitative comments mm. that people say, hey, we're going in and attack mate or whatever. But like, can you guys sort of, do you guys see? That's really interesting. I actually haven't thought about that for a while because like me and him talked before is like, what's a like worth? You know, because like you see some breweries where it's like they have a, a million of them, but then their sales aren't that high. And like, it's all great and all, but like all these people are liking this, like live halfway across the world. So, um, yeah, I, in terms of direct correlation, I mean, I actually, I, to be honest, the, the most, probably the most consistently valuable thing to this brewery is not even related to social media. We started doing charity bingo um, like a year and a half ago. Um, so every Wednesday we have bingo here and we donate all the money from the bingo cards to charity and you win, you know, uh, glassware, shirts, other stuff like that. Um, we rotate what charities we do. So every time we do it, we had a new group of people to come in and us doing all these kettle sours. So many people are like, Oh, I didn't even think I like beer, but I like this. Right. And it's been hugely useful. And so like that, that increases your, your network, your outreach, everything. But kind of same deal with, with social media is like, if you can get one person that has a lot of friends, then their friends will maybe come in and right. then it kind of goes on and on. I think what we've done because we've had like a slow build, um, all of our social media followers, like they tend to be in the immediate vicinity and that's really useful. Right. So I think there's a, a huge direct correlation. Interesting. Why do you think that is for you guys specifically? Like why did we, we built solely over time. We didn't like, like when you were talking about Massachusetts before, mm-hmm. like I'm just always stunned with the appetite for cans in that state. It's just yeah. unreal. It's, and yeah, crazy. There was a new brewery that I was following that just opened there. This is a little while ago, but they hadn't even opened yet, and they had 20,000 followers on Instagram. Jeez. And they were, like, selling out of cans since day one. But that was never us. Like, we started this little tiny place, and, like, we built very slowly and everything. But as a result, like, I think we have a solid foundation of, like, people that, that you know, follow us tend to be people that actually – walk through the doors here. Hmm. Um, so at the end of the day, those few, maybe like you don't have as many followers as those people, but they're actually resulting in sales. Like those followers are te- therefore more valuable to you because they're not people like me in Canada following somebody and like, yeah, that looks sick and I'll never get this mm-hmm. type of thing. So that's the difference. It's, that's interesting that you guys have at least, you guys are aware of the value of this stuff and how it all like correlates. That's sick. It's just so rare that, I, that we get to see it. I think it's really important to at least to know what's up with that um, and to know sort of you know, what that energy that you're putting into it sort of results in. Right. What did you get out of it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I think all, it's always good to have lots of followers and everything, but um, I, I've just, I've just noticed that like sponsor, paying more attention to social media for us has yielded very good results hmm. um, in terms of real sales. Amazing. Like we looked at when we really started focusing on that more, um, was about a year and a half ago and we looked year to year sales and they, they really went up and it was a lot of it was off premise when we spent more attention on can releases. Mm-hmm. Um, but just in general, um, it really helped kind of pump those numbers up. That's sick, man. And that then it was like happy. super useful when we opened up the new restaurant because we already had like a large group of people following us. So Locally. Talk about that. Yeah. Or at least within a reasonable drive, they'd be like, mm-hmm. Oh wow, they got a restaurant now. Like another excuse to go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, while you were sort of off before, Lee and I were basically talking about um, the 
pressure that a lot of breweries feel to release new beers every week or extremely regularly, and I find that that pressure is much higher in the States than, say, in Canada or elsewhere that I've seen. Um, you get, can you guys speak to that at all? Like, you know, you, do you feel that, like, from the like the untapped ticker culture, people just like, oh, what's new, what's new, or whatever, and, like, you're like, oh, man, like, should we just release this IPA with two other different hops or something? Like, how will you guys deal with that pressure, if there is any, and... Well, we've, uh, what I was saying earlier is uh, we've always kind of had that new beer release. It was a product of, again, because of the size. And so instead of making the same beer back to back to back and having, you know, the English Pale Ale on all the time, also one of the big things was we listened to the customer's feedback. I mean, what do they come in and ask for? Why would we want to make a beer that, yeah, we we like it. It's really good. We're really proud of it because it's traditional and it has... X, Y, and Z factors, but if it's not going to sell, then what value does it have? So we we definitely made some shifts, and we we listened to people's feedback, and with Leesburg, we were able to just every week have two, three new beers on all the time. So we've kind of always had that mentality where there's a lot of rotating new beers coming out, Um, and then obviously with the the trend of cans uh, having really good looking cans, artwork on it, and just the, the IPA, um, Berliner Weiss, Fruited Berliners, and things like that. Just the, the number of adjuncts, um, flavor that you can get out of it is it has really reinforced that. And also Jake's just kind of a whiz when it comes to flavor combinations. Uh, remember Summer Night? Like that was way ahead of its time back in the day. Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, definitely the adjuncts thing gives you a lot. You know, a lot of beers are just the same base, but it's just different, mm, different stuff. Different, yeah, yeah. But but so we have we have three core beers, and then we have a, a fourth, which is a seasonal. It's either uh, Hef or uh, Milk Stout. Mm-hmm. Um, so we always have something that's familiar to people, and that's probably been the difference between us and a lot of other kind of release focused breweries. And I think. Like still, heart and soul or core IPA. Well, our pilsners again, uh, Coast is our top seller, but they they remain top selling because people know what they are. You need a beer like that. People come in, they they want their first beer to be a quick order, and then they can look at the menu and figure out what their next one is going to be. But I do that all the time. And like back when I was doing sales, I always you know wanted to tell bars what I thought was like, man, stop rotating your beer so much. Like right. if you just if you had Bell's too hard on tap all the time. That would make a lot of people happy instead of kicking it off for you know some IPA nobody's heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but to answer your question, I, we haven't really felt pressure. I'm actually feeling a lot more pressure to stop doing new beers now, which I'm going to listen to. Right. Um, we've we've done too many new releases, and we're going to start just fine tuning some of our other ones, bringing back the ones that are really popular. What you want to do with those beers is like you want to have them. Go away for enough time for people to miss them, and then you bring it back. Um, and like we did uh, this one called Sticky Rice, which is uh, Berliner with mango, coconut, and rice milk. We had to take like a year hiatus from that beer because we couldn't source rice milk. Um, the price we were getting were just not workable. Right. Um, but once we could, we could do it again. Um, and it was, there were a lot of people who were really happy to see it come back. We're going to brew it again, but we're not going to like do it 
the next month. We're going to wait just right. a little bit. Um, I like that model. Yeah. And and we have this big, you know, uh, catalog of labels at this point to go back through. But then you never want to stop doing new stuff. Like, we're actually going to stop doing, like, some of our Berliners and switch to doing mixed fermentation through the Berliners. Um, after some experimentation, we figured out how to turn these beers out a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. And we really, really like the results. And they're popular now, which is crazy to see mixed from beers that are selling that well. Yeah. Um, so like we want to continue to like experiment and innovate and also, you know, follow trends. Um, but we're going to start repeating a lot more beers and I think that'll make customers happy. Mm. How's the response been to doing it that way? Like the people like, Oh sick, this is back again. I love this one. Yeah. Is it that? Right. I, I think a lot of times sales for, Beers that were popular the first time go up the second time. Because hmm. like you said, give them time to miss it. What's that time frame look like? Is it three months? Is it six months? Is it like... like three months is pretty good. Three months is pretty good. There's one brewery in Vermont that I noticed does that. And it's the first time I'd seen it before. And I thought it was like... it. it that's what we were saying before. That it, it sort of satiates that like... Hey, we're dropping three new beers this Friday or whatever. Um, whilst maybe only one of them's new. And two of them are just tweaked versions of something from six months ago. But it still makes people feel like, oh man, you haven't had that for, for that long. They're mm-hmm. going to come in. Oh, and you've got this new variant of this. Like, it's sort of like a, a way for. I've seen a lot of criticism, I guess, is the reason why I'm asking you is that uh, there were some uh, like think pieces or whatever on me, which always makes me kind of laugh sometimes. But like about that, the ticker culture and how that is impacting breweries to get to become lazy because they'll have this classic IPA and they'll just be like, cool, let's put mosaic and citra this time. And then call it something else, bam, done. And, and, and Dude, they're that, not that's, tweaked. That's the majority of hazy IPAs out there. They're all the same base recipe. We do this. I have a million other breweries do it. Um, it, is, it is, I mean, there, there's definitely combinations that work, and there's, there's some tweaks that we do with base grain. So they're not, like, all the same. But it is, it is like, one thing we started doing is we do a hazy IPA with cold yeast. Um, and that was a way to get those beers to taste a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, that beer that we do has a lot like crisper of a body to it, and because the yeast is not as expressive as you know the English yeast that most people are using for these beers, it tastes different. Um, and then we started using rice milk in, in some of our IPAs. Too. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, but but otherwise, like it, it is really just. I mean, um, there's some meme that was just like uh, Trojan horse, and it was like. You know, new uh, new beer, yeah. uh, different labels, yeah. contents, and um, yeah, I, I actually, I, I really don't think that the Tiger community is really that big of a deal. Okay. And I think Good. a lot of people would be happier with seeing beers come back. Yeah, um, there's a brewery near us called Ocelot that makes some really good beer, and, and they they put things out on kind of a that same three or four month you know uh, schedule, and I think that works really well um, okay. I'm actually let me grab a can of our, our IPA right now yeah yeah sweet um, that is I mean it's good that you guys don't feel that pressure though and don't feel that you're like because I think the people who are saying this stuff are sort of more like oh well like breweries aren't even trying they're just like putting these kind of half-assed not well thought out products onto the market but it's like it seems like you guys have the, behaving this way is in your DNA literally from the from the start mm-hmm. which it isn't for a lot of other breweries so it's sort of like it's not 
like you're stretching and, and forcing something that's not right. That's what I'm getting from what you're saying. Is that is that's accurate? That's right. So it's we are kind of set in a different path of everyone else, and because mm-hmm. we haven't blown up in the last, you know, we we didn't open up this year or last year, and just absolutely blew up with what everyone is expecting us to do. We've kind of defined who we are, right? And we've we we're available for the customers to come and experience what we have to offer versus the customers directly driving what we have to do. Now, again, we still listen to what they want, and obviously if the beer sells, then we're going to make it again. And we've already uh, done can releases where we'll do three can releases in a Friday, and one of them is a repeat that we had last month. Right. And people love it. And so you think about, okay, someone's going, they, the beer's back, and there's two new beers. So not only do they come and buy the new beer, or the two new beers, but they also get the one that, that, that they, they not have got last time. Even that then. they didn't have last yeah. time or that they really liked and they wanted again. So it, it's, it's just an interesting combination of driving more revenue. Yeah, I love it. And it's, it's just so cool that it's not affecting you guys negatively. I've just... the, the you know, in, in yeah. any shape or form, and it's just something you're able to sort of completely work with and around. Um, and, and it's just like, it's, it's smooth and people are enjoying it. Just like the way that people were talking online made it seem there was so much negativity around it. Because I think people just like drama and like blow back on anything that they can get their hands on. Like, oh, bro, so they're just having a, a whinge about it. But it's sick that it's working. Um, what's this bad boy, dude? So that's our, our, oh, that's our run IPA, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, six five, nice. What are the hops in this one? It's a mosaic, and well, it used to be called Idaho Seven, then it changed to Double Seven. Now it's what is it? Idaho Gem or something? I, I really? changed the name. That's oh. one of my favorite hops. I didn't know they changed the name. Never heard that. Yeah, we uh, so it's a really good hop. Uh, but what's really great about it is it's a little bit goes a long way. We actually decreased the amount that we used in it and made the beer better. Um, That's fantastic. Thanks. I can see why this is the. Uh, like a, this was the one, right? This is the one you were talking about earlier that you were contracting and it was yeah. killing the game. Yeah, it was like this all the time. Yeah, all all that time ago. Um, when we were making there, pretty much the same. Not not very much yeah. has changed about it. How long ago we was made, that? Uh, the last batch we made there was December of last year. Okay, so it wasn't that long. Okay, I was gonna, I was going to say in my head, I was like, oh, maybe four years ago or something. Like mm-hmm. you guys were busting out hazy IPAs. I'm like wow, like, had a game out here. Okay, no, no. that's yeah. fantastic. Uh, we we first started brewing hard and soul back in, when we first opened here. Right, um, one of the early ones. Yeah, we do the photo. Are you ready? Yeah. Right. Thanks, boys. Um, no, this is dope. So this is. Would you consider this one to be one of the core beers? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. So that our Pilsner Coast. It's a New Zealand style Pilsner with uh, Motuaka and Wakatu hops. Nice. Um, are you calling New Zealand style because of the hops are from yeah. New Zealand? Yeah, nice. and it's it's a hoppy pills, and it's like it's a little bit different. Like we we Love just that. did like a a, a German style pilsner um, about a month ago, but they're very different beers. Okay. Um, this one is hoppier, but also maltier, and it's just like a heavier pilsner. Then we do uh, sour IPA with raspberries and mosaic hops. Nice um, Empress, um, and those are our three year round beers. The, the, okay, and then you've got the season, which was the half horizon of the milk stout. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a cool like, like flagship lineup. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a good variety. Yeah, like a bit of everything. Yeah, 
And then so all the can labels as well, they they look Super relatively sexy. the same thing. Yeah, uh, of, the, of the flagships. Of the flagships with different color palettes. So when you go to the store and you see that. But blue one's the IPA. Right. Uh, blue one is IPA, yellow one's the Pilsner, and then the white one's the Raspberry uh, Sour IPA. And so you, you recognize the design and the color pops, and so you know it's Crooked Run. Right, I love that. Um, back to marketing again, that is one of the key things, I think, that consistency. Like if you're on a shelf and you see them all together, or if they're separate, you can, yeah, I can pick them out. Right. Super key. As well, are the core brands plastic wrapped, and then yeah, the other ones are on. the stickers? Yep. Yeah, I love that. Once again, subtle differentiators, but so this like subconsciously right. lets people know. Now this is fantastic. Um, sorry, it was Idaho. I can't believe Idaho Seven changed the name. That's hilarious. It's weird too that it changed from Idaho Seven to 007. So you would think they got a cease and desist for 007. Well, I wonder if there's like because they're patented, but the name might not be patented potentially, or maybe it's a part of it. Um, I yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? Because 007, I feel like they would have. Um, painted that name in realms. Or, no, I'm sorry, it's not paint, it's trademark. In yeah. realms of, of maybe all the different merchandise from film, like mm-hmm. DVDs, T-shirts, and blah, 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 but they would never have trademarked in the realm of like hops yeah. right. or something like that. Maybe they did beverages, but not hops is even more specific because yeah. it's like agriculture. Well, all you got to do is get a cease and desist, even if it's groundless, if you don't want to spend the money on fighting it, then that's it. And it's funny because like, we're guilty of this ourselves, but like so many breweries are like misappropriating IP from movies, you know, uh, pop culture, oh, the, whatever. Oh my, the, not even just, are you talking the names, or are talking like labels? Everything. 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 It's crazy to me how many people are just flagrant about it. Like Fruit Loops, or like cereals are probably seem to be the most common. We have not done that. Well, the closest thing we did was uh, we did a milk stout with, uh, with marshmallows and um, our graphic designer um, took the, whatever his name is, Lucky Charms, Leprechaun, oh, yeah, yeah. And, but made him look like really demonic and scary looking. <laughs> and that was a, that was the closest thing we've done to that. But like, there's no way you would look at that can and think that it was a box of Lucky Charms. Right. And that's um, it's like obvious. That, but I don't even think that, that even matters. Like they just like, that's how guides close enough. Using the we, we, we did, uh, we did one with, uh, it was called inspired by the same French excellence. And it was a brood IPA with, um, Orson Welles, drunk Orson Welles from the Palmaston wine commercial. Okay, uh, his he was on it, and we submitted it to uh, the federal uh, label approval, and they said we had to have permission from Orson Welles' state for that, so we um, didn't get the label. No. <laughs> but probably no weapon. Um, no, no, yeah. It, it, but like you know, breweries that are just doing just one-off can releases, like usually that stuff just flies under the radar, and it doesn't seem like anybody's really trying to clamp down on it. I always said this since day one. Is like if somebody, if somebody gave us cease and desist. I would just mo- for most desist. beers, I would be like, okay, I'm going to change it. It's not worth it. I mean, it's yeah. kind of cool. It's kind of funny to like be ballsy and just and do it. I think it's like it's it's funny to me because I guess at the end the, I've, I've spoken to actually the one we we're talking about before, one of the two podcasts ago in Toronto. They've done done it twice now. They got one from like ABI for using, they have a, a beer called Blood Light and they used the Bud Light font and everything. As soon as everyone was like, yo, keep that can because it's getting cease and desist. Oh, yeah. And they did. Yeah. But what happens to you? It's like, get rid of it. That's it. Like, there's no follow-up. Like, I don't believe so. I don't think they have to pull them because it's like same as you guys. You don't have 
because they're in the state, it's just more like, oh, okay, well, once that can sold out, I guess, what are they going to do? They're not going to come and take them out of your fridge. It's going to be, hey, don't do that anymore. And you're like, okay. And that's it, right? Right. I'm sure if you did it all the time to the same company, then you're going to definitely get some shit about it. Yeah. The uh, the Veil had a piece of glassware with Bart Simpson on it that got pulled. So, and they weren't allowed to sell it. It, uh, To the rest of it? Is what they wouldn't let no, sell. No, they, they weren't allowed to sell any of it. They actually had to, to change the beer name and the glass. Wow! Um, right before the release date. That's so, rough. So that can happen, but I mean, like, there's some entities that you probably don't want to mess with, like 20th Century Fox, Disney, uh, yeah. that are pretty well known. I've been aggressive about it. Yeah. Yeah. The um, oh, most of the like I said, it's all cereals and stuff. Oh, like that one. They and the same brew in Toronto did. You know, uh, Czech Bar. The Czech beer, it's Czech VAR, and it's just like a classic Czech pilsner. You know, if you see the label with the it's like red cursive writing, and mm. they did Blood Bar, they did the same thing in the same font. And I was like, guys, you just got a season to this, and you're doing it again. It's like, yeah, fuck it, like, yeah, see what happens. Yes. I think it, I thought it was pretty funny. What I did, I listened to this other podcast um, from this cafe in um, Santa Cruz called Cat and Cloud, and it's fascinating because they just like these owners talking about. Um, they just, they didn't really talk about coffee. Like, I'm, we're big into coffee as well, but they just talk about the entrepreneurial stuff. Like, you guys actually would find it interesting. It's cool, just the small business and the challenges of growing and staff and all that stuff. And they had um, Caterpillar, the machinery mm-hmm. company. They have they have a trademark for their cat and cloud on their merchandise. And they've come and they're, they're doing, not even a cease and desist, I think they're suing them to try and remove their trademark because they were thinking that you can do that cat in the context of their coffee thing be confused with the shortened name for a uh, heavy machinery mm-hmm. and they're like what are they going to do this that their revenue was like something like 54 billion a year the the company and this is just a, a stack of like three cafes right and they're just like bullying them and they didn't even do anything so it can sort of happen to anybody it's kind of a, a little bit crazy really right. when you think about like what people can do like there's like you know what they could actually like put them out of business if they wanted to the, the truth is that uh, what once we grew, um, at, one of the things I was always afraid of was like not having enough money to deal with stuff like that. Whether it's like you know a big company trying to push you around, another brewery, or like an irate customer that like slipped on your floor or something. Mm. Like when you're a little company, like you you can't handle even the most frivolous lawsuits because you can't even afford to just go to court yeah. at all. Yeah. So it was like very nice when we grew, and it was like now now if like a, a brewery gave me a cease and desist, I might be tempted to just say like, mm, no, you know, but let's fight it out. Yeah. If yeah. you really want to do that. Um, but yeah, like, uh, I don't, I don't know like how much longer this can go on. I, I think maybe some of these brands just realized that it was just good advertising for them. It kind of is though. If you really think about it. Yeah. That's how Nintendo has been with like the, the answer down in Richmond. Yeah. They have yeah. all this glassware with classic video game characters and Nintendo has just been kind of like, yeah, good. You know. Oh, they spoke to them? I, bu- I, I believe either so. they, they spoke to them or they they said something publicly about it. And were like, hey, this is cool. Like, right. Yeah. So I kind of like that. It's more progressive kind of approach to it from the larger company. I mean, I could I could see it's helping also promote their brand and yeah. they don't have to do anything to do that. To yeah. do that. No, so it's, it's free advertisement. And it's not like people are confusing that beer with uh, no. Mario. Right. Like even the same as like the ones you see that one I forgot the brewery but it was the Lucky Charm not the one you were talking about I guess it was your beer but you know how the one that all of a sudden got this crazy press O'Connor 
Yeah. You know, smart, or smart mouth. mouth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, from that Lucky Charms thing. Like, I think they got a cease and desist in the end, but that was just blatant. Um, but at the same token, no one's going to confuse. Right. No one thinks well, it's affiliated. They still released the beard, though. I think they were they, no, were they good released on it. it. Yeah, I think it was after yeah. the fact. Uh, I think, yeah. And I think it was because of the volume of the press. That was my That favorite. was a crazy amount of press. Yeah. yeah. I'd never seen anything like it before. Like, everyone was like, they had it on, like, morning talk shows and stuff. Yep. I'm like, relax, man. The, the like, same how, many, this, how many times does this happen? Right. The and Veil then, got that with an uh, Oreo beer they did. You never know what to, like, break into, like, that mainstream, like, consciousness. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, every once in a while it happens. And, and, yeah, once it gets on, like, the Today Show or something like that. <laughs> well, and what's kind of silly is it's, they received all that publicity for a beer that, they're probably not going to make all the time, or it's not. Or like again, maybe, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like I guess they leveraged it for the overall brewery popularity. But who maybe. was I? Can't, I didn't even know what the brewery was. Right, like, and you, you had to think about it a bit. So the brewery didn't resonate with anybody for the most part. Maybe outside the beer world, but everyone's like, yeah, that Lucky Charms beer. So did it even really work? Even if they might not have intended for that level of. Um, I don't think they intended for for it. Um, yeah, the. the I always think, you know, I would take, like, most PR. But maybe sometimes you don't, you don't want as much because no. it can draw unwanted attention. Um, That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, because, like... Because there, be like, there might be other ones that, although someone, you've done something in, unintentionally and they're, like, cease and desist with that thing. No, you're under the spotlight. Like, oh, like, yeah. Right. Yeah. I didn't never even consider that, actually, as, like, a negative side effect of too much attention. And I didn't, I didn't know that they, they got one for that because, like... That kind of sucks too, because like, they can't really do it next year. No, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, they could do it. They'd have to change the name. I think you could say you use Lucky Charms cereal in it, but it, like, I think it was the fact that I don't, we, I don't we, know, we sure. use a generic term for when we oh. say like with cereal marshmallows or something like that. That's so like, is. we just yeah. do that. So we we've been trying to avoid that since day one. Right. Oh, like with puffed rice or whatever. If it's right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Because I think this, Fruit Loop seems to be a common one I've seen a lot. There was one brewery in, not even in Montreal, like in Quebec, super small brewery only run. They got they got done for it, but they they straight up put the two can on the on the, on the can. Yeah. And I was like, oh, they might get away with this, and then they they because I feel like it's funny. Some of those breweries like take a picture of the cease and desist and post it as yeah. Like, like yeah we we got we got told like yeah we'll stop. They're already they're already gone, but. I wonder what these lawyers at the cereal companies are like. <laughs> Where can we find our logo? Like, let's, I wonder even how. I guess they just, like, that's kind of crazy. I never even thought about how. Maybe someone must be bringing it to their attention. It has to be. Oh, yeah. Oh, they've awesome. got, like, little rats or someone, like, tagging in there. Like, hey, Kellogg's, <laughs> like, check this out. Like Trickle, I mean, don't they have better things to do? Yeah, he well, thinks so. No, that's exactly what it is. A lot, of, really a lot of people really don't like what's going on with this IP Let's call it appropriation. Hmm. Um, and so I, every time I see any any of these releases that are kind of borderline, there's always people tagging the company. Really? Oh uh, yeah, snitches, man. <laughs> Let them go. Like whatever it is, and it just it seems like like I do understand the actual technicality, like you said, of the IP. Like this company does own it; it is their right to do so. But at the same time, like most of these companies are multi-billion, and the breweries you know, are not. And it's sort of like just bullying these little small companies who aren't really getting, they're not leveraging their brand for, I mean, I mean, I guess you could argue. The, well, the pro- they to, I, I think what a lot of people, because back, back in the day before this whole, like just kind of blatant 
you know, use of IP started, you had like, uh, what was a big one? It was like Vermonster, this Vermont beer uh, monster came down on them for that. And like, you know, a lot of people are like, all right, is this really, and there's something with like dogfish, chicory, stout, and Budweiser, I remember. But like, really? yeah, but the thing that a lot of people like need to remember is like, if you don't defend your trademarks, you lose them. So, like, I'm not going to blame... I mean, there's some cases that were like, all right, this is ridiculous. But, like, otherwise, like, that's capitalism. Or, like, that's the laws in this country. is like, you, you have to defend them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think everybody should just be prepared to live with consequences if they're going to, you know, do stuff. Or just do run a business in general. Like, stuff like yeah. that's going to happen. Yeah, no, that's um, true. It's, uh, it's always a fascinating combo, though. I love it. Um, you guys feel like lightning round? Yeah, yeah, and then I, want, I got one more beer to... to one more? Oh, then I'll make sure I neck this quick. Yeah, I always think I was almost going to save it for the... We have to do the thumbnail photo. You know, we're going to make sure we have beer in the glass because sometimes we fish and then there's just a bunch of empty glasses and it looks terrible. <laughs> let's, but I'm let's sure we can fix it. the next beer for that. Okay, I like yeah. your attitude. Yeah, we'll keep that. We'll do it next beer is a lot cooler. Yeah? Okay, yeah. sick. Although this is pretty damn good. I just like I'm enjoying this so much. It's so balanced. It's not like... Even 6.5 is super, super smooth. Thanks. Really, really killer, guys. All right, so what is your guilty pleasure beer? A beer that you'd be embarrassed to admit to be a nerd that you enjoy? Yang Ling Light. <laughs> they do a light. They do a light beer. It's a good golf course beer. That's right. I respect that. Yeah. Um, Yang Ling in a can. Yeah? Yeah. Isn't like, that from here? Uh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Like, it's a cool to... brewery. Yeah? I went up and did a tour. It's like, ancient and they talk about how they got around prohibition they opened an ice cream factory across <laughs> from the brewery right yeah, and they just funneled it through yeah they're definitely still selling beer <laughs> that's amazing uh, opposite B you would decline under any circumstances it's a tough one. Oh, uh, pumpkin oh yeah no yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that one's not very good yeah. do you not like pumpkin beers or is it like you just don't like that beer uh, a little bit of both hang on which one's pumpkin? Southern Tier? Yeah, Southern Tier. Southern Tier also oh, had another uh, yeah. like souffle one that was a little too much. Yeah, yeah, creme brulee. Yeah. Oh, I like that one. Do you know what? I had it like six, seven years ago, so at the time I did. And then they had Warlock, which was the dark pumpkin beer. I liked it, but it was like, you need like this much of exactly. it. Exactly. When I bought it with my, I drank the whole thing to myself and I was, it was a bad one. Diabetes. <laughs> In a bottle. Okay, pumpkin is good. No one said that before. Um, you I don't know. I, I pretty much drink anything. If anything? I don't like it, then I won't drink it again. I, I try to, if I get a beer, if I order a beer, I try to always finish the beer. Okay. What if it was like you go to a barbecue and you didn't have, you know, the Oreo dry hot pills and someone's like, hey, you want one of these? And you're like, you got water? Uh, really shitty homebrew. That's good answer. <laughs> and there's a lot of that. Yeah, there's a yeah, lot of that. There's a ton of that. It's unlimited. Yeah. People uh, think they make really good homebrew because their friends tell them they make really good homebrew <laughs> and their friends just want to come over to their house and get drunk. Do you guys, uh, we joked one time that like sort of brewers coming in here and be like, hey, try my beer. Is like rappers being like, hey, listen to my mixtape. Is it this, do you get that a lot? Like people coming in yeah, like, yeah, try the beer. We do. We, we try to give everybody a fair shake. Yeah? Because um, you guys were homebrewers. So I mean, like, you mm-hmm. get it. Totally. Okay. Um, the last time they would kind of put me out because like, we're in the middle of this, opening this restaurant and I took the time to try this dude's beers and he, he gave me a, 
lengthy email explaining like the situation that he was doing, and I it, he wanted to open a brewery, and I he had a prospective owner that was very controlling, and I said, you know, I just be careful because like every brewery that I've seen that had this type of situation, okay. the brewers have left, hmm. and then I gave him critiques on some of his beers, which they were all pretty good, but there were like some little things about them, and then I never heard anything back from him, and I was like. Maybe not want to do it anymore. Is like, you, don't ask for don't ask for you know critique or don't ask for advice if you're not going to accept it. it. Yeah. And that happen, that happens a lot. I mean, it happens to, in, to everybody outside of breweries too. It's like yes. people ask your advice and then they get an answer they don't want to hear. Yeah. But you never know what you're going to find. Actually, one of our um, brewers that uh, he's in the sour beer program and he also brews in Leesburg. Mm-hmm. He he came by. He brought some beers by, and they're incredible. Yeah, actually, one of his recipes we won uh, at um, World Beer Cup. World Beer Cup. He got a, a gold for his saison. Wow. Yeah. So, like, he can, as a employee, he home brews. He could be, hey guys, do you want to do this? Yeah. And yeah. You we've done, we've done a lot. And yeah, he's he, he basically kind of took over our sour beer program and done a, a lot of stuff that and the uh, the New Zealand Pulsar is his beer as well. Amazing. And that's like our favorite beer. That's that's really cool. I love that. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah. yeah. So I guess if someone comes in, what's the deal next time? It might be like, yeah, leave it with me or something. Or is it like... Oh, I, I almost never try it in front of a person. Yeah, because that's awkward. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Particularly homebrew. Because you already know this is good. So what I say doesn't even matter. But like if someone's coming to homebrew and they're like, oh, you guys are like, you know, you've been here. And, and, and it depends. It's also the equipment too. I mean, I think there's just a whole bunch of different stuff that comes out of we could give someone the heart and soul recipe mm-hmm. and because of the different brewing process and the equipment that you have, you're never going to make the same beer. True. Even Absolutely. if you have the same so recipe. True. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a good point. That's why the clones, when they have the clone recipes, it's kind of like, well, there's a lot more to it than just this right. many ounces of hops and stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was your gateway beer? What was the beer that got you guys from Macro <laughs> to Craft? Sam Adams for me. Nice. Just across the board. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah, that's the classic one. That's probably the number one answer. Great beer. Yeah. I haven't had it for a while. Have you guys had it recently? Uh, so, a couple like, months ago. Yeah? Yeah. How was it, that? It's, it's way fresher than, than it was back when I used to drink it. Because, like, you know, half the time, you get it from, like, 7-Eleven. And, oh, it's like it's after six months. Yeah. <laughs> On a warm truck across the country. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, favorite beer styles? Favorite and least favorite? Doesn't mean you hated it for least, but just... It's a, Ryan, I think there's a lot of this year. Is it 4 o'clock meeting, you guys? Oh, it's 4 o'clock already? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell them, like, 10, 10 more minutes? Yeah, 10. We'll, we'll wrap this up quick. Uh, now we actually have to make it live. <laughs> Under pressure now. What was the question? Favorite and least favorite beer styles? Uh, favorite would be the uh, mixed firm sours that we do. Yeah. And least favorite? Uh, smoked beer. Rush yeah, beers. That's the number one answer. They're terrible. Uh, <laughs> Let's be real. Uh, favorite style, um, uh, probably IPA. Um, yep. Uh, least favorite, Kratzer. Oh, I wanted to, like a smoked smoke sour. Wait, am I confusing these? What's a smoked sour? Whatever the smoked sour style is, that that I one is just the, yeah, not for you. Yeah, I'm it's like, not Kratzer. It's uh, Licking Steiner. That's okay. it. Yeah, I had to think of that one. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm trying to think if we could 
scary, like a favorite beer city destination or country? Where do you go for beer? Where do you like to go? Or where do you want to go? Uh, I've been to Denver for beer three times. Um, Amazing. Been to Vermont. I've been down in North Carolina. Um, and been to um, Nashville twice nice. for beer events too. So Denver is pretty cool though. Because it's, it's, it's definitely a different, different uh, city. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool city. Cool place. I love that. Yeah. I haven't traveled enough to... I've never been to Europe and haven't done enough enough traveling in general, so I don't really know. No, no. Um, where do you want to go? If you could go one place, where do you want to go? Uh, I'd really like to go to Munich. Um, uh, I yeah, California too. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just tough. Like you know, neither of us have gotten out a lot in the last six years. So yeah, <laughs> that's a common answer. You yeah. kind of like handcuffed. Uh, this place right but, but we've done I mean we've done festivals where we've tried like some of the best beer in the world so like yeah, I, I so. feel fine about that what it comes down to more of I know it's lightning it's about the culture right like mm. I, I like to be in a place that's fun to drink at it yeah. and as long as the beer is good then great you know, it matter. doesn't have to be like the most esoteric crazy stuff that's why I want to go to Munich right classic so. clean stuff invented yeah. this stuff essentially mm. yeah right. yeah um, first beer you ever brewed uh, mine was a Northwest Pale Ale nice. homebrew, and then uh, what was the beer that we brewed? Oh man, it was a uh, uh, brown IPA with spruce tips. That was the first beer me and him homebrewed. It was really bad. <laughs> that was the next question. What's the worst beer you've ever made? That, that's not the worst. That's beer. the worst. It, yeah. it, well, we so we we saved it, and then we went to go taste it as we were dumping it out. And we we're like. Hey, it's not too bad. It was it like six, a little bit. It like got six really months. bitter at first, but then it spruce. Yeah, yeah. And then chilled. Okay. Uh, I also made a pale ale. It was my first, and the worst beer I made was a chai stout that, like, I can still imagine the taste, and it was so gross. <laughs> it's just a uh, gut wrenching cinnamon flavor. This <laughs> yeah. is disgusting. I, I, the worst homebrew I ever made was a beer with with apples and cinnamon, and it was just. It, it just didn't work. Yeah. That was that. We did one of those two, like Christmas beers, like yeah. cinnamon or numbing or that shit. Yeah. That, it doesn't go so well. Uh, what music do you listen to when you brew? <laughs> I like jazz. Um, but I let the guys usually pick the music, Fair. which is a lot of Russian ska. And like, right, okay. <laughs> too much like, like um, joke music for it to be a joke. Okay, so you, you know, think you're laughing at it, but they really 90s like. club hits where it's like, I think you actually like this song. <laughs> okay. That's fair. Yeah. Um, favorite hops? Or hop singular? Um, I mean, cit- citrus is the easiest to work with. That's, that's why that's everybody's the, using it. But yeah. um, uh, Mosaic. Or actually, you know what? Scratch that. Motueka. Nice. Yeah, Motueka is always great. Um, I like every beer that has it. So. Good one. Yellow? Uh, I think maybe Hallertal Blanc, just because of Ooh. how interesting the flavor is. Um, with a white white wine yes. kind of skin. It's We've used it a couple times, and it's resulted in a flavor I didn't really expect. Yeah, we, we did a drink pills with it just nice. recently, and that was really nice. Yeah. Love it. That's a great hop. Uh, two more. What's your family's think of your job or your work? Uh, well, so my wife bought me the homebrew kit, so it's, it's her fault that I'm here. It doesn't really matter what she says, though. Uh, uh, but yeah, my family loves it. Nice. 
They, they enjoy all the weekly releases I bring home. Yes. What's the new beer? And they're very, very supportive. <laughs> That's fantastic. Love it. How about you? My mom works here. So Nice. Yeah. I love that, keeping the fan. What's she doing here? Oh, she bartends. That's gangsta. Yeah. <laughs> love that. And I think that's, there's almost nothing cooler than having a business and being able to get your family involved, mm. whether it's in, what, in some part of it. And it just, I don't know, need to kind of like mean more. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, last one, favorite adjunct? Lactose. <laughs> no? No? Okay. Ah, uh, I gotta think of that one. It's tough. Uh, so, black raspberries, just because I grew up in um, western New York and we had black raspberry bushes all over the property and when I came down to Virginia um, don't see it very often around here and yeah so the, the flavor that you get out of it is, is kind of a combination between a raspberry and a, and a blackberry and just <clears throat> yeah those are really good hell yeah I made a beer with it and it was exceptional awesome I yeah. love that oh man um, alright But I think rice, rice, rice milk because that's the most unique thing we've done, and mm-hmm. it's cool because it's similar to lactose. But people that are lactose intolerant, like one of our brewers, can drink it. Right. Yeah, I love that. That's a great, such a smart flip on it to get the same sort of texture and the same result without uh, not allowing a, a bunch of people to, to access it. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I've <clears throat> of the things that we've kind of gotten knocked on. I think. Lactose is probably the most most thing that people are like. Ah, oh, another beer with lactose. Oh, yeah, bad. But with the with the rice milk, that's just universally loved. Interesting. Yeah, you guys might have started something with this one. Maybe. Um, did you want to do that last beer just while we're recording so we can show people? Yeah, absolutely. Photo and stuff? Yeah. Um, no, this is great, man. So that is perfect. So this the first one that Ambrosia was a Berliner Weiss. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. We're gonna put kettle sour. Um, no, that's fantastic. So this weekend, tell people about the uh, six-year anniversary. Even though people are going to hear this after the fact, we're going to let people know on Instagram beforehand. So what's the deal with the party? Yeah, so we are uh, going to be celebrating six years, Saturday, July 20th. Uh, yes. We're going to be releasing five beers, um, ranging from IPAs to the Berliner Weiss um, to a, I'm trying to remember, big, big, uh, double barrel aged stout nice. um, and it's luau theme so we're going to get kind of fun with this one we're going to have a pig roast we're going to have um, some games and uh, ukulele music and everything like that and just kind of no tickets are required no nothing really too special we got a tiki tiki man glass uh, so you get a discount when you buy that nice. um, when you get a beer board but yeah just going for as much as, as much uh, of the party as possible, bring everyone in, and Super Doppler's going to be playing on the, the big stage here, so we're hoping to pack everything out for nice. the, the whole day. And, and our Leesburg location, we're also going to have uh, festivities. We try to do our um, anniversary party at both spots. That's not, yeah. Actually, cool. Will there be different beers in both places? Or Sli- slightly different, but different. A little bit more on tap here. Um, we also did a bunch of collabs leading up to this um, with uh, some brews in the area and then some from up and down the East Coast, and those will be on tap too. That's cool, man. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Fascinating. Yeah, he's so nice. So tell us about this one. So this is one of those collabs. Um, we did this with uh, Three Notched uh, out of Charlotte. Oh, I had one of their beers last night. Cool. Okay. 
So this is called Shade. Um, we brought our, our coal ship down to their old facility, which has uh, since then been uh, demolished and they, they opened up a newer place. But okay. we made this a, a long time ago. And um, it's a spontaneously fermented uh, dark ale. Um, so it's been, it's been about not quite a year in barrels. Um, okay. We don't file a timetable with our sours. We release them when we believe that they're ready. Um, and yes. yeah, so I, I haven't had a, a lot of uh, cool, or a lot of uh, sour dark ales that I've particularly enjoyed, but I really like that. Um, you get pretty bright acidity, that kind of gunpowdery goose taste. Gunpowder. That's a cool. Let's do that. I, it's <laughs> the it's the smell like you know I grew up in Virginia so we had a lot of Civil War reenactors and when they would fire their, their muskets you get that smell in the air that that I'm black right. powder smell and um, that's crazy that's what I get in, in goose hmm. um, and that's what what we've gotten in a lot of our, our spontaneous stuff and I really I don't know what it is it's a, it's a Brett drive flavor I believe but I really like that that's crazy. Um, and then you also get this kind of chocolatey molasses thing going on too, which sounds weird, but I think it works really well. And no roast to it at all. No roast. I don't know. I'm definitely not. There's like something that indicates it is dark, but it's not um, over the top. Yeah. It's not crazy. Um, let me just get the photo with this and then we'll wrap this up and we'll do the thumbnail so you guys can get to the meeting. All cool. right. You ready? Let me hold this bad boy so you can see the name. Legends. Um, boys, thank you so much. This yeah, awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Genuinely appreciate yeah. the time. Uh, where can everybody find Crooked Run online? Uh, CrookedRunBrewing.com. Yep. On Instagram and stuff? Uh, Crooked Run Brew on Instagram. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. That's it. It's come through. Like I said, you guys won't see this before the anniversary party, but we're going to let people know what's up so folks in, uh, in the hood can come through. Um, that's it, guys. So thank you so much. Uh, if you guys enjoyed the episode, mate, smash the thumbs up. Hit subscribe below, hit the notification bell so you know when the new stuff drops. Follow us on social media at BOS Podcast and check out the long form audio so you can hear very attractive gentlemen like these fellas right here talking about craft beer. That is it, guys. Thank you for watching and listening. See you in the next episode. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>